Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the sixth episode of Flyerside Chats. Once again, my name is Sam McKenzie. I'm the Vice President of Operations, and we're again joined by our CEO, Carolyn Haney. This time, joined by Do It All Manager Matt Fazio, or To Be Manager. He's going to be the Operations Manager of First Class Flyers next year. And we'll continue to work on this podcast as Carolyn and I continue to transition out of our exec roles in the future. And for this episode, we have two great guests, Adam Buckman and Jenna Fitzsimmons, joining us on the podcast as they were instrumental in a lot of the changes to the social and people side of FE, as we'll talk about in a little bit. So Adam and Jenna, thanks for joining. Oh, thanks for having us. So I guess we could start off first. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your time at Dayton, what was your major, your graduation year, where you lived on campus and things like that. Yeah, I can go first. So Jenna Fitzsimmons, uh, Jenna LaFranchi while I was on campus. Um, and I graduated in 06 after doing a, a five-year degree. Um, so stayed around for an extra year of FE and my uh, MBA. Uh, lived on started up in uh, Stuart Hill back in my freshman year and uh, lived a few different places in in the ghetto, um, both on Evanston and, and on Lawnview there at the end. Uh, was an accounting and entrepreneurship double major. Um, and yeah, I know we'll get into it, but had a, a few different roles at FE and excited to be here today. Thanks, Jenna. And I'm Adam Buckman. Um, I lived at 419 Irving uh, my senior year and I just googled it to see if it had changed at all and it looks exactly the same <laughs> as, the, as the house before which is really exciting to see um, but I was an operations management uh, major and I've noticed a trend as I've listened to the podcast over the last uh, I don't know four or five episodes that uh, apparently ops is, is growing as a major when, when I started uh, and there are a few of us that were operations management majors and the FE leadership team, uh, but it was still pretty small back then. So it's really, really cool to see it has grown. Oh, absolutely. I'm one of those ops majors as well. I'm, oh, I'm also awesome. an ops major. There you go. It's a great, I'm great program. Ops major, but <laughs> I respect those that are. <laughs> and so going right off that, Jenna, as you mentioned, you know, what, what paths uh, into uh, FE did you take? Where were you originally hired and uh, what positions did you hold? Yeah, so mine's a little bit different. Um, and we talk a, a little bit about some of the challenges maybe it brought with that, but I actually started right um, into, I guess, what you would call, quote unquote, FE Corp or, or kind of the exec team. So they were in need of a new CFO. And I got uh, recruited at, over some drinks at Flanagan's um, this was back <laughs> in like April of uh, 2004. Um, so there was a need and an opening for someone to step in. And my roommate was, um, it, Mary Lynn Colley, uh, was going to be president of coffee and, and the blend, blend express. And so I came along with her and met uh, the others on the exec team and started um, to transition and, and take over from Kate to step into her shoes as CFO. So a uh, little bit of a different path and uh, therefore, you know, didn't necessarily have that kind of growing up of, you know, being a barista or, um, you know, working at, at Rudy's, but tried to do different things to overcome that. And then, um, so after I spent some time in the CFO role, went on to uh, take the president role working uh, with Pete Pergola when he was the CEO. And then, uh, in my final year, when I was doing my fifth year as my MBA, that's when I was uh, the CEO and, and Buckman was the president on the ET with me at that yet at that time. So I guess my path was a little bit more traditional, maybe. Um, 
I, I came into UD and like so many other flyers, um, I needed to, to find a job to help pay for school. And um, I actually started in the dean's office of the School of Business. And I was doing um, a lot of event planning. So like we had a business advisory council that I would plan events for or help plan events for with some of the assistant uh, deans uh, in the office. And um, I was recruited, um, I think it was during B, I don't know if they still have BAI 150 or 151, like those intro classes freshman year. Um, I had met Pete and some of the other exec team members by coordinating that. I was also a TA uh, for one of those classes. And uh, we had met at some of the other events. And so Pete had said, hey, why don't you come, you know, just try out Flyer Enterprises. And I thought that'd be really cool. So I worked at the Blend Express. Uh, go TBE. We, we called it, um, we had a merchandising manager, Dan Patak, who I'm sure is listening, who we called it the, the lemonade stand uh, at Dave Sink here. <laughs> um, and it's so much more than a lemonade stand now and then too. But uh, anyway, loved, loved the Blend Express, learned how to make coffee. I was uh, became the purchasing manager. Um, I'll also shout out to Jen Hunt Patak, who was the manager there. There were so many days that I forgot to the school would be closed and I would forget to come in and open the door for the, the UDF guys to bring milk and put milk in the refrigerator. And they'd always call Jen and be like, Hey, somebody needs to open up the, the refrigerator. Um, so as the blend express purchasing manager, and then I decided to throw my name in the hat for a manager role. Um, and was really shocked when I got offered uh, a new position as the president of operations. So back then we had VPs of each division and, um, you know, Jenna and the team thought that it would be good to have a president of operations to kind of see oversee more of the day to day so that the CEO role could be a little bit more strategic and outwardly looking and do more um, marketing, maybe across campus and trying to, to further the 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 uh, flyer enterprises visions and so on. And then uh, senior year, I took over as Jenna graduated uh, as the CEO. Well, that's awesome. It's kind of cool how both of you were kind of recruited by some of your friends, you know? Yeah, it's very cool. And, that, and that's one of the things that makes uh, FE unique is, you know, working with your friends, serving your friends. I hear so many stories about uh, people who say they worked in a division and their roommates were like honorary employees because they would come all the time and they would buy coffee or they would stop by Rudy's or whatever. And it's uh, it's a really cool environment. Absolutely. Definitely. It's also interesting to kind of think about how all the executive and the management positions have changed over the years. I love hearing all of the, in all these podcasts about the positions that people have held that we no longer have and how they kind of contributed to that and built kind of the positions now that we do have. But I want to talk about something that we've touched on in the last couple episodes, and that has been the leadership development program. So I know that you two were instrumental in the creation of this program. Can you tell us a little bit about the program in detail? Yeah, I can start. So I think the original LDP, um, when Pete and Adam Weber and myself and Mary Lynn, back then it was originally, there were really only four of us on the ET. So to your point, Carolyn, I know, um, you know, it's grown in the positions and stuff uh, quite a bit. And we were we were really growing as a company in terms of the number of new ventures that were taking off and the, the size of the organization. And we were trying to find a way to really identify early on individuals that had leadership potential and try to, you know, 
spot them in that freshman or sophomore year so that they could have a really long career and journey. But how did we also give exposure to more people beyond just the management roles? Um, and so that's that's really where it started on the concept of the leadership development program. So the initial one was, um, you know, how do we divide and conquer? I think it was something like eight sessions. And, um, you know, we had some some books that we utilized and then would focus on different topics. Uh, I, I believe we uh, did interviews and um, came up with around 15 or so individuals that were in that inaugural class for LDP and Art Street had just opened. So we would hold some of the sessions there uh, in the evenings. And, and it wasn't for class credit or anything at the time. It was really um, something above and beyond that um, individuals took on to do um, so it's really exciting to, to be a part of that. And, you know, in that inaugural class came many, many future leaders and future exec team members. And I know I'll let Buckman maybe take from there. He was in that uh, initial group and then went on with others to help kind of the future iterations of the program. Yeah, I was, I was part of class number one, I can say. Um, and do you guys still do LDP or, or I've heard maybe you're thinking about bringing it back? We do it in a little bit of a different form. So okay. we more target new hires now. Um, and we do a couple sessions a semester with the new hire class and do like professionalism skills, personal skills. We'll do resume review, cover photos, um, have people come in and talk about leadership, all that kind of thing. So it's definitely not as structured as it was in the past because it did go away for a few years. So obviously we didn't have that, you know, repetition year to year and able to learn from the people in the past, but we are trying to bring it back in some sort of way because we know the value of it. That's really cool. We, and, and that was kind of why I think we it started is in, from the story that I had heard from Pete and Jenna before was that um, there was always a bit of a challenge to find who the future managers were. And as you guys know, secession planning is so important with Flyer Enterprises. When you have a new leadership team every single year, you've got to be succession planning literally from day one when you start in the door. Okay, who's going to replace me next year? Or who are the candidates and, and how do I help grow them and coach them? And um, so so I was uh, in the inaugural class. It was, a, it was a really great class. And I can remember being in class with, uh, with all of my, my executive team whenever I was a CEO. So... <laughs> Uh, uh, Chelsea Diorio, and I remember Tony Blankmeyer being in the next class, and Greg Kaiser and Matt Gordon, uh, and then all of our managers too. I uh, mentioned Dave and Dan and, and uh, Jen Hunt and so on. And so it was a great class, um, and really was so cool to sit down and actually learn a little bit from the the seniors and the juniors who had gone through it and it is, we're you know freshmen and sophomores and we're hearing their stories and they're telling us about how they've created business plans and how they created marketing plans and when they've you know Adam Weber would talk about trying to uh, raise prices at Rudy's and how that failed and what he did to to you know try to compensate for it and so um, when I was CEO we had started talking about we had a really close relationship with um, Professor John Shishoff who was I think the Dean of Undergraduate Studies um, in the SBA at the time, and he was always a big advocate for us and uh, sat on the board and, and always just raved about Flyer Enterprises. And uh, I was I had TA'd for him in BI 151 a few years ago. And so he came to, came to us and said, hey, why don't you guys um, teach a formal class like through the university? And 
Uh, we'll give out freshman credit. It'll be a section of BAI 151, which was the second semester freshman business intro class, our first year intro class. And um, so we thought, well, you know, can we can we put together enough content to do it? And um, and of course, as a lazy college student, I thought, well, who can I get to help teach this with me? So <laughs> it was a full exec team effort. I remember all my uh, VPs, uh, you know, stepped up and taught a class. I think Chelsea taught a marketing class. Uh, Tony taught a merchandising class and and so on. Um, and uh, so we, we taught for a few years, um, actually, a university course that students got an hour credit for. It was really cool. And I remember at the end of it. Um, there was a capstone project. So when I was in LDP one, our capstone project was literally three of us sitting down and we completely revamped the blend and blend express, uh, menu and all the marketing materials and brand and so on. And so we kept some of the, some of the staple drinks, the grasshopper and the caramel macchiato and some of that, but then we introduced a few new things as well. And, you know, really, really looked at the branding and like, that was a project that we got to do as sophomores, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Those projects sound like a good way to get some projects done that you don't necessarily want to do yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, and as an employee, sometimes you don't have time to do, you know, balancing right. class and work and everything. So exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that's something that you don't, I mean, prior to college, I mean, you're not really thinking about any sort of thing related to business for the most part. So that's so, so cool to have just people get that experience to start thinking about ways to improve a business. Yeah. Absolutely. We had no idea what market research was and <laughs> testing new products and doing surveys and focus groups. And so we got to learn all of that, you know, learn as you go, right? That's right. Experiential <laughs> learning. In one of our sessions this past semester, we had a kind of like a shark tank idea generation session. And so it's so interesting to see all of these new hires who hardly know anything about FE come in and have all of these really great ideas about having a hair salon or insomnia cookies or a food truck. And then that kind of sparks their innovation and their motivation to like continue to work hard for FE and continue to like move up so that they can eventually like see their ideas come to life one day maybe. So I just want to know who in that played the the Kevin or the Mark Cuban and like, Sam, were you throwing <laughs> people out and telling them they had stupid ideas and everything? Oh, that's all Carolyn. <laughs> only supportive. <laughs> no criticism. So I guess kind of uh, shifting away from that, um, what would you guys say was, or Effie's culture looked like when you two first started working? Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because so it was still very early and, you know, I can't believe that we're at the 20th anniversary. It's <laughs> so exciting. Um, and, you know, when Carolyn and I met up this summer, I was kind of like shocked to think, think that I've been gone that long and that that is almost here. But if you think back, you know, so when I started in 2004, that means, you know, FE as, as FE was still a baby. And so there were pieces of it where, um, we were in that time of this unique blend of, I didn't mean to say that, but that's where I was going. The blend intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had its, it had its own culture, right? And that the individuals that worked at the blend and the blend express, express were very passionate about what they did and passionate about even, even the coffee. Um, and I would say it was a distinct and unique, different culture than maybe those that worked at Rudy's and, and um, you know, Rudy's on the Hill 
or which now I think of stews or I don't know if it's, you know, exactly mm. what we are still today. But um, so I, there was this almost like melting pot in those years that I would say was a, like the formative years um, where we were trying to find that right balance of embracing these legacy, super important foundational um, parts of the company, but then also finding the mix of how it all fit together. And um, and then you also had this, this layer of kind of F, FE corporate, right? Or the umbrella and making sure that, or I think we tried to make, do different things to make sure that everyone felt a part of that FE and FE love. And that was kind of the introduction of some of the first, you know, FE t-shirts and the branding. And I learned a, a lot through that of teaming and, um, you know, how to, how to try to reach out to people and have their input in building that. But also I, um, acknowledging that it was okay for each of the divisions to have their own culture too. And especially as we were starting the new ventures of Art Street and the Galley and um, and eventually the chill right, right um, as I was leaving and handing off to, to Buckman and, and the ET there, that it was okay and important that um, divisions would have their own culture too, so. Yeah, and and I don't have a lot to add, but I I, I do remember um, really vividly, you know, kind of being president of operations and feeling like, gosh, like we need a Flyer Enterprises culture. Like, why can't the Blend people and the Rudy's people just get along better, right? And <laughs> and whatnot. And um, and I remember, you know, close to graduation, kind of hitting this realization of like, and I, I think I was at a galley party, and it was. Um, it was all galley people and some art street people came too. And I think even a couple of readers people came and it was like, okay, this is what FE is going to be. It's, it's okay for the divisions to have their own cultures. And that's what makes it cool. You know, you, you come in as a, a first year or second year and you want to join FE. You don't necessarily say, I want to join FE. You might have that division that you really, you visit every weekend or you buy coffee from every weekend or whatever and that you identify with and you want to be a part of and then yeah there's a bigger fe culture too of respect for the other businesses and appreciation for the differences that um that and the diversity that thought that that the other divisions kind of bring to the table um and you you appreciate that and you recognize and you try to learn from it so it was it was definitely a balancing act of of trying to build a corporate culture without stumping out the divisional culture mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it definitely starts with the leadership team as well. Um, so it's great that you all were kind of focused on making sure that that culture was kind of going to improve. So going along with that, you saw this culture as you were kind of coming into FE. How were you able to kind of improve it so that it was better than when you left it? So, <laughs> so I, I think we did. This was something I always really enjoyed. And Jenna, you were such a big part of it. Um, but I, I remember going to Jenna a couple of times saying like, hey, we need to do something to get, you know, to rally more FE spirit and, and whatnot. And I remember doing a couple of things. Um, I'll let Jenna talk about the one that's maybe more productive. But the fun one that I really enjoyed was we did an FE semi-formal. And I mm -hmm. still have, and we got cocktail glasses made that had the date and the Fly Enterprises logo printed on oh, them. Very cool. And we handed those out. And we carded everybody, by the way. And everybody had <laughs> wristbands. So it was all legit. But um, we rented out a location and we got a bus and everybody got dressed up. And because we, you know, we saw um, some of the um, 
some of the the clubs and and uh, and sororities and fraternities on campus doing that. And we we're like, well, we should do something like that. I think everybody had a great time, and we probably had uh, I don't know maybe more than half the company show up. I feel like it was oh. like a hundred people or so out of, and that was another thing is we grew the company. Um, I don't know, Jenna, how many employees when you started, but we probably grew from like 100 to 170 employees over like two or three years, which was astounding. So trying to just get everybody a chance to feel like a part of that and to co-mingle and meet some of their counterparts from the other divisions if they haven't uh, was, was definitely a big focus. I agree. I think I think that one stand, stands out as a big success, obviously a really fun time, but also thing, something that kind of brought everyone to, together. Um, and then the other one, I don't know if I would have qualified it as more productive, Buckman, but <laughs> the other one that, that stands out is we did get permission to do a FE management retreat um, mm-hmm. and rented a cabin at Hocking Hills. I don't know that was ever approved to do do it again in the future but um in addition to a lot of fun and good team bonding and um that was had both you know i think the first night of of the new exec team so this was early in uh you know in my fifth year of getting those relationships that i think building that teaming and that trust was really instrumental for us then working together and trying to stand up and operate these um you know, some divisions that were, were struggling and others that were new and getting off the ground. So that I think um, just, you know, maybe in addition to all the fun we had, um, you know, there was probably some, some good productivity and teaming that came out of that weekend and the full management team joined us there the next day. And um, I, I think that along, I think those things helped the culture for sure. And then the other thing that, that jumps out in my mind is, and I mentioned it earlier in, you know, my maybe non-traditional path of, of entry. I had had that opportunity to work early on with just the, the accountants and, you know, in my CFO role and, and you know, um, have some of that small, small group, um, you know, really in understanding how the businesses run. But it was important to me to figure out really the names and faces because we did have such huge growth in the organization very quickly. So one of the things we did um, is we put up this huge sheet in the um, in the office, like when we had moved down to the third floor office and went around and took like pictures of everybody at that point where, you know, maybe up to 150 and and put pictures and names on a sheet because I felt like that was the best hmm. way that I was going, you know, I was going to make an attempt to try to learn every employee um, I don't know that I was successful by any means. But it was really important to me to to try to find a connection with the team. That was really inspirational uh, to see Jenna do that as a as a new exec, and and you you think you know what an exec is and what leadership means, and but to see to see Jenna do that, and she was so laser focused on it, and we all kind of we all kind of you know her team. We thought she was a little crazy, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're not saying she's not. Um, <laughs> But it was really inspirational to see her putting such a focus on like the people and getting to know everybody. And she did too. And we would go by a division, like she would call people by name and it was really, it was really cool. It's hard to, to know 170 of your employees, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I tried to take a similar approach when I first took office as CEO, I would, I made a schedule of like all of the sales associates shifts and the people that I didn't know. And then I would try to go on shift and say hi to them and introduce myself. 
but we've experienced such rapid growth with employees this year. I can't say that I know everybody. <laughs> I feel like I know a good amount and the development sessions for the new hires definitely helped because then you're actually interacting with them, um, you know, not on a work basis going in on their shifts and you're connecting a name to a face a little bit more easily, but that's definitely a huge feat. So good job on that one because I definitely am not there yet. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I, I don't know that I got there, but I will say I felt like I need to do something because what, where I, I truly did feel like it was um, maybe a challenge and I always felt bad about, I didn't feel like I could be helpful in like filling a shift, right? Like if someone wasn't available at the blend express, I didn't, I hadn't come up and um, you know, figured out the, all the, the, you know, knowledge of how to actually be a successful employee. Now I did do my turn in working at Rudy's, especially in the summer. And, but even that, sometimes I would find that there'd be like a rush at one point and I couldn't figure out how I was supposed <laughs> to bring certain things up on the register. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I'm really struggling at this. So, uh, it, uh, kudos to, you know, to everyone, um, you know, that was able to, to truly like learn what they were doing and be really good at it. And then also, you know, jump in and to help others. Um, I know there used to be, you know, kind of jumping back and forth across the blend, blend express, et cetera. Yeah. And I will say like, as a leader, it's easier when you have that connection with sales associates, because mm -hmm. so much of what we're doing is operational. And so once you get up to the top, you lose your touch with that operational sense. And so then yeah. you can't like, really great decisions for the company if you don't know what's going on operationally at each division. So it definitely exactly. helps as well in that sense. Yeah, that was like my, when I first got promoted to vice president of operations, the first thing I wanted to do was figure out like, how do you make a latte? Cause I worked at Art Street, so I do and I don't like drink coffee. So I wanted to figure out like, what do they do at Heritage and stuff like that. And with that, you learn from um, sales associates who have been there for a while or even just new ones. And they're like, oh, okay. so. He's trying to learn with us so that see that I'm just trying to help them out as much as possible. And and it's something that really uh, at least at least in in some companies or some industries it translates. I, I just joined a new company a couple months ago and I'm I'm traveling to one of our locations um, in two weeks. And uh, I've already booked time that I'm going to go like sit in shipping and work like a half a shift in shipping because part of my, my job is supporting everything that we do from label printing and shipping notifications and so on to our customers uh, to see like what, what are the systems they're using? Like what are the processes, what's broken and so on and sitting with our customer service team and being on phone calls with customers and, you know, doing those things, even though I'm, I'm an IT director, my, my current job, but giving, you know, those, uh, getting those chances to really be on the front lines and see what works, what doesn't work and have, and, and even just having a respect for um, standing in somebody else's shoes and what they go through and, and what they have to deal with every day it makes you so much more effective at being a leader, I think. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I did want to mention, Jenna, I, we've had a couple other guests that said that they also went on the management retreat. So it did take a couple of years before I, they put the kibosh on it. <laughs> I know we had one the next year. And, and okay, good, good. I wasn't was even, sure that, that got approved. I think, it, uh, you know. <laughs> it was even less productive than the first one, but it was a lot of fun. It was a good bonding. And part of the reason that we did that, I remember, was because um, – so the LDP program actually maybe backfired a little bit in the sense that 
the executive positions, the interviews for the executive positions were so fierce and competitive. Mm -hmm. And we were all friends. Don't get me wrong. I think everybody that interviewed, we we knew each other really well and we were all friends. But, um, you know, at the time we went from four execs to six execs and we probably had what 15 or 20 people apply. And so part of that management retreat was trying to break down this barrier that had kind of formed between the division managers and the executive team and trying to say like, you know, everybody's a leader in the company and, and just with a different focus, right. Um, and, and breaking down the barriers and doing some bonding. So it was good. It was fun. Yeah. I will say to this day, management and executive interviews are still very stressful, <laughs> but maybe now that we're coming out of COVID profitable, they'll sponsor some retreats for us again, maybe just maybe <laughs> So uh, I guess shifting again, uh, what would you guys say were some of your favorite Effie memories or ventures or ideas that you guys took part of during your time? Yeah, I think it was, you know, great time to see a lot of things grow successfully. Um, it was a busy time. So I think about, you know, watching the and being at the the grand opening of like the galley and all the effort that went into, um, you know, standing that up as well as other um other ventures i probably wasn't involved as involved in that one but uh art street for example um working on that in the the summer i guess that was i don't know uh going into the the 05 year um and we had our gm quit a few weeks before we were supposed to start that was a learning experience um it was actually a close friend of mine so that was tough one to to take. And um, so I, you know, I remember really that first semester, Pete and Adam and I just kind of worked from Art Street. And um, there was so many lessons learned on on that one. Um, you know, we all went and did serve safe training down at, at Sinclair. And um, so a lot of memories, especially I think uh, around Art Street and something so large of an operation, it was so important to the university that that it was successful. Um, and then, you know, we had some very difficult memories. I, I, I don't know, Adam, if you want to talk more about it, but we, in the year then that, um, you know, myself and, and Adam and, and the exec team were trying to, you know, we had come to the re realization, I think that Rudy's was not going to be able to survive. And we were brainstorming what could go into Rudy's flyby. Um, and we had some, some difficult times, but I'll let Adam expand on that one. Yeah, I guess you can't talk about the highs without talking about the lows. I think uh, <laughs> I think we, we um, so Rudy's flyby was a division that, um, I don't know what it is now, but it was, it was the police station, became the police station after, or was next to the police station, and then became a rowing house and I don't know, whatever else by, Kettering Labs, but at any rate, um, and was the founding, you know, division, uh, I think, or one of the founding divisions for Fly Enterprises. And so uh, it had not been profitable for quite a long time. And I know, I think you guys have a future podcast, maybe to talk a little bit more about it. So I'll try not to steal the thunder <laughs> there, but uh, so tune in next time <laughs> to the Fly Enterprises <laughs> podcast. Um, but we, we, we tried a whole bunch of things and change pricing and change merchandising to try to make greedies profitable. And it, it wasn't, just wasn't working. And so it was, um, it was a unique experience to get to say, Hey, we've got this really amazing property 
And this is the value that it brings to us as, a, as an organization and to the university. But the business model, there isn't the right business model. So what can we do different? And we tried um, several, you know, different, we, we thought through about three different business models. I remember um, my favorite was the um, burger joint to kind of counter <laughs> Art Street, where Art Street had like healthier sandwiches and salads. I was like, no, we need a greasy burger joint for late night in the ghetto. <laughs> yeah. um, student neighborhood, rather. Um, and a cereal bar. And uh, we, we landed on, believe it or not, a tanning salon. Uh, that we spent a lot of time tr- researching, looking at equipment, talking to medical teams about, you know, the, the downside of tanning and so on. And, uh, but financially that thing was just, it was going to be a bank. We were going to print money. <laughs> at least that was the <laughs> thought. Um, and so not getting the approval to do that is definitely a, um, a challenge uh, and something that was a really a low but, but seeing the university as a whole embrace uh, Flyer Enterprises, because we really were at that point where, you know, we had um, four divisions with Rudy's Flyby, Rudy's on the Hill, the Blend and the Blend Express. We opened Art Street, we opened the galley, and then kind of the floodgates opened for the university. Um, so I was part of, uh, and, and Jen, I think you were there when we started planning for the chill that opened with the RecPlex and the university approached us and said, Hey, we're, we're building this RecPlex and uh, we want to have a smoothie bar. And what do you guys think? And so we put the bed together, the business plan for that. Um, and then we, we rebranded Rudy's on the Hill to be Stewart's landing. And then later the university approached us and said, Hey, we've got this space on Brown street. We think we want to do like an extension of the bookstore, but we want students to run it. And that was, became flyer spirit. Um, and then, uh, I know it's, I don't think it was a successful venture, but, um, the jury box, uh, which was the sandwich shop in the, uh, law library, uh, they had approached us about that as well. And, um, so just seeing the university embrace us and seeing the success of our leaders, uh, I remember, remember clearly Lauren Clarcy or Lauren Zaleski now, opening the chill um and just the like excitement from her doing that was so cool and it was so cool to see the success and building a new culture and building a new uh venture was really cool and um you know the other thing i'd say though about like the downs and in closing of rudy's that was really hard for us and that was like a low point in our fe careers um, but we had an executive sponsor who was a professor at the time, like a retired uh, professor that uh, taught a couple of MBA classes, uh, Dick Flouty. And Dick was, uh, for me personally, he was like my coach and he was so instrumental in, in learning from about business and about leadership. And we were arguing with Dick that we, we didn't want to close Rudy's. We know it's not successful. We know it's not going to make money, but, and it's not profitable, but we're going to deprive students of the opportunity to get this experiential learning if we close the business. And we were all really upset about it. And Dick said something that just like changed my business perspective forever. And he said, um, guys have to understand that closing a division and everything that you learn from downsizing and how you redeploy your assets and how you, you know, uh, reuse that capital and, and how you go through the process of liquidating your inventory and all those things that is experiential learning. 
And yeah, you're not going to have a Rudy's for people to work at in the future, but let's build it into something else. And just going through the process is part of learning to be a leader and, and getting that business learning. So, um, so many amazing Fire Enterprise memories, even the bad ones, you know, have uh, learnings and, and really things that you can smile about afterwards. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Sounds like you all had a lot of time for classes then, right? With all the stuff going on. <laughs> I think, I think we went to classes for the most part. <laughs> so we'll ask Dina you did all, for sure. I know she was always <laughs> We'll ask you all the same last question that we ask um, all of our guests. So since FE is very innovative and always trying to grow, if you could create one division with no limitations, what would it be? I don't know. I uh, that's, that's a great question. I'm not sure. Uh, fuck me. If you have an idea, I'm going to, I'm going to think on defer. that one. I'm not ready. I defer to you first. Sorry. That's okay. I, I, I don't have a specific business model, but I'd like to see FE do something um, more digital. And I know like we have FE consulting and so on, but um, I don't know, even though I was an operations management major, somehow I ended up with the 15 career, 15 year career in IT so far. <laughs> and, um, and, and what I'm recognizing today is that even folks that uh, don't have any IT experience and, and don't, you don't have to know how to program. I don't know how to program. Um, and if you ever tried to get me to it, it would be a disaster, but just um, the, the skill set of being able to talk about digital and do data analytics and understand uh, and build digital capabilities for customers and how we run the business is is so important. So um, I don't know the specific business model, but I would say it'd be something with an E in front of it, e-commerce or e something, e-consulting. I don't know, flyer e enterprises. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, that's, that's a good one. I mean, that's a good point, right? Because you try to think of like, what are the the skill sets that maybe we're not touching today that would be helpful, um, you know, for our, our students and our leaders to build as they get ready, you know, to, to graduate. Um, I do think, you know, I've always thought the, and I think you guys have made more progress since since, you know, long ago when I was there on the services and, you know, that, that consulting pieces of it, I think the, it's a unique market in that everyone's there and where you can capture the service and being able to provide that convenience to the captivated market. Um, you know, think of so many of the, uh, you know, organizations today, like an Instacart, like a DoorDash, like all of the things that just come right to you and bring you what you need. And I don't know what what those don't offer that FE could bring that would be competitive on, on campus. But I think that could be uh, potentially something as well. But I think, Caroline, I mean, going back to what you talked about, maybe towards the start of the podcast, some of it is just um, even where there are, you know, like the failures that we've talked about, it's all the experience, right? It's, it's that experience of being able to um, be in a fairly safe environment and try it and learn the process of the market research. And it was very sad. I will never forget, you know, when we learned that we didn't have the go ahead on the tanning salon. And I remember the room we were in and there were tears, but mm -hmm. it was such a good 
you know, process and learning experience and bonding experience. And those are things that you're going to encounter. So I think, you know, just encourage all of the ideas that, you know, you're um, new classes uh, are bringing to you and, and all those fresh ideas and innovation of thinking outside the box. I'm, I'm sure there'll be something, uh, you know, that they will bring that I would have never thought of. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to change my answer because I, you, you struck a chord with me, Jenna. And I think that, um, I don't know if this would be a venture, but I would love to, re- and I would be like the first customer for a Flyer Enterprises book a leadership book or a business Ooh. acumen book because, and you could have the executive team from every year, write a chapter of the book um, for two reasons. One, because I do a lot of digital marketing, digital sales, digital commerce, and uh, content is king. It's one of the things that we talk about in marketing is content is king. And so the content around the experiences that we, that people have gotten and the perspectives that we've gotten over the years um, is amazing. And, uh, literally not a day goes by that there's something uh, that I work on that doesn't is not in some way impacted by what I learned at Flyer Enterprises. And for me specifically, I know it would be about leadership because I I was a terrible leader. And you can ask Matt Gordon and Greg Kaiser and Chelsea and Tony and um, I, my leadership skills were very, very bad um, <laughs> back then. And, uh, but I've learned a lot from those failures. And even though nobody would, well, I sometimes got called out for it, but um, all the stuff that I tried to do back then that didn't work, I've, I've learned from and I've built on and improved so much in that space. Um, and I wish I could pass that on to, to others that like the learning in the safe space that you have with Flyer Enterprises. There's, there's, uh, how do you take that con- build that content and then get it out to more people so that more hmm. more people can use our learnings? I like that. Flyer Enterprises novel, but it's it's a business <laughs> leadership novel. <laughs> that would be the ultimate cliff- cliffhanger. You wait a whole year for the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So with that, we'll conclude our sixth episode of Flyer Side Chats as we continue our celebration of 20-year anniversary for Flyer Enterprises. Once again, I'm Sam McKenzie, and for Carolyn Haney and Matt Fazio, thank you for joining us, Adam and Jenna, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for having us. Great. Thanks, guys.